I grew up in that church. Also um, did a world changer project. I was the project coordinator of the project that uh, did the roof on your church some 10 years ago now, I guess. I don't know how long ago it was, but uh, that's good. And uh, so we have, a, we have a bit of history, I guess we can say, right? It works out. And, uh, but I've been married for 28 years to my lovely wife, or going on 28 years from, to my lovely wife, Deborah. Um, <clears throat> we, we met at uh, Word of Life Bible Institute, or also known as Word of Life Bridal Institute. You never know. <laughs> uh, whatever. And uh, uh, we have four children, uh, a set of twins. They are 26. I have a 22-year-old and a... 19-year-old, I think. Yeah, 19. That's the one. And uh, so uh, and I'm expecting my first two grandchildren this year. Uh, we are expecting our first two grandchildren this year. So uh, I do have daughter-in-laws, too, into that mix. So uh, we'll take your Bibles with me, if you would, and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, a great passage of scripture, favorites of many, uh, and I hope to bring some uh, understanding today as we talk about uh, hope. What do we hope in? Every human being needs something to hope in. Uh, hope sustains us. It gives us strength. It helps us overcome uh, great trials in life. And the most important question we have to ask ourselves is, what do we hope in? Some hope in themselves. I know I can do it. Uh, you know, the, the whole, uh, that whole view. Some hope in others. You know, somebody will help me out. I know, I know they will. Uh, some hope in their financial success. Some hope in their friends. Some hope in family. Others hope in the future. You know, things have got to get better than they are now, right? Uh, that's what we, we oftentimes will hope for that. Some hope in fame or fortune. Others hope in the government or the strength of the military. Some even today maybe are hoping in Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I don't know, you know. <clears throat> not what we should hope in, but... Uh, what we hope in is very important, and I want to illustrate that with a story uh, that came, uh, comes from uh, a f quite a few years back, probably in the 80s, uh, when this situation took place. But at the time, Vice President Herbert Walker Bush was uh, Vice President of the United States, uh, and he was uh, asked to participate in the funeral of Brezhnev. Uh, the Russian uh, dictator or, or leader there uh, as he had passed away and he was asked to be part of that funeral. And while he was there, a situation took place. It was at this funeral of the former Soviet leader Brezhnev that Bush was deeply moved by a silent protest carried out by Brezhnev's wife, his widow. She stood motionless by the coffin until just seconds before it was closed. Then, just as the soldier touched the lid, Brezhnev's wife, wife reached in and made the mark of the cross upon his chest. This was a profound act of great courage and hope, a gesture that must have surely been one of the greatest acts of civil disobedience we could understand. She reached down and made that sign of the cross on her husband's chest. Why is that significant? Because that was the, in the place that is the citadel of secular and atheist power. The wife of the man who had run it all hoped that her husband was wrong. She hoped that there was another life and that that life was best represented, best represented 
by Jesus who died on the cross. And, that's, and she hoped that that same Jesus might have mercy on her husband. Let's look today at the best place to place our hope. Turn with me again to Ephesians chapter 2. Follow along as I read a few verses for us today. Um, let's look at verse, uh, begin in verse 11. It says, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has, been, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and to those who were near. For through, through him, we, were bo we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole world, building a uh, whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. This morning, the main point of our message, our time together is that Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, brings the believer unending hope. First, we see in the text that is our focus text this morning, which are verses 19 through 22, we see first that hope in Christ changes our position. It changes our position. There in verse 19, it says, Now therefore, you who are no longer strangers and foreigners. We are no longer strangers and foreigners. In verses 11 and 12, we also see that he reminds us that we were uh, of the condition uh, that we are apart from Christ. We see there in the text that it explains to us that uh, we are separated from God's chosen people. We had no birthright. We could not claim uh, a place before God because we were born of the right group. Okay, we, we, That was impossible for us to do. We also see there that we are separated from, God's separated from God's chosen people, that we are aliens from the land of Israel. We had no heritage to claim. We weren't from the right family line, uh, as the Jews would often reference. We also see there in verse 11 and 12, look at verse 12, uh, and that in the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise. Uh, the promises of covenant, the covenantal promises of Israel did not apply to us. And we had no hope uh, of, of uh, seeing those promises fulfilled in our lives. But the worst part of our situation is there at the, at the end of verse 12. 
We are there. We do not have any hope from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. No hope and without God in the world. What a horrible condition we find ourselves. What a horrible condition. It doesn't get any worse than that, does it? To be without hope and apart from God. Separated from him. But this is all changed because we have placed our hope in Christ. Look at verse uh, 13. I've come to find that the best, the, my favorite, one of my favorite words in the Bible is the word but. You know, many times in the scriptures, uh, we see laid out for us our condition without God. And then it always says, but, but, here it tells us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise God for that. Amen? Amen. So we see that our, our Christ, hope in Christ changes our position. We are no longer, in verse 19, again, it tells us uh, we are not strangers and foreigners, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Uh, look, again, referencing back to verses 13 through 18. He'd taken the Gentiles and the Jews, probably no greater, uh, there's, there, are, there are other ones too, but the Gentiles and the Jews, uh, always at odds with each other. Uh, the, Gen, the Jews looked at Gentiles uh, as the lowest form of society. Couldn't stand them. Uh, if they'd been around Gentiles, they had to go get ceremonially clean again uh, before they could go and worship in the temple. Uh, not their favorite people. But Christ took these two opposing groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, and united them. And in the context of Ephesians, these two people groups who were at, were at enmity with one another, they hated one another. But again, what Christ has done, he has brought them together. He has made peace uh, in them when we hope in Jesus Christ. We also see that we are, uh, our position changes in that once we were separated from God, but now we are reconciled to God. We are reconciled to God. In Christ, peace has been made between sinful man and a holy God. As the Jews hated the Gentiles in a much greater way, God hates sin. Now be careful, because we say God hates sin, but God, what, loves the sinner. He loves us. And he knows what sin does to us. He knows how sin mars us. And the Bible tells us, Romans 3.23, that no one escapes this situation. We have all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We don't measure up. And by ourselves, we are, as it spoke to us in, verse, uh, in, in the previous verse, that we are without God and without hope. But thanks be to God that he has come. Christ made peace between sinful man and a holy God. Now we have access to God, our Father, through him. Look at verse 16. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death this enmity. No longer are uh, Jews and Gentiles uh, opposed to one another in Christ. And no longer are we in enmity with God because of our sinfulness because of Christ. There is great hope to think that we are reconciled to God, being made right with him through Christ our Lord. Praise God for his reconcili reconcil reconciliation of us to himself. 
So we have hope in Christ, and that hope in Christ changes our position. We are no longer strangers. We are citizen and citizens and members of the household of God, and we are reconciled to God. Praise the Lord for that. Next we see in verses 20, and 20, through, and 20 through 22 that we, our hope in Christ, it cements our purpose. It cements our purpose. Look there again as I read it. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are being fit together to grow as the temple of God. When we place our hope in, in God, we become the dwelling place of his Holy Spirit. This is an intimate act. I don't know if any of you are builders out there. I'm not much of a builder. I can build certain things, but other things I can't. Uh, but to build a house, you have to first what? Lay a good foundation. And that foundation uh, is, is put together and, and you spend a lot of time making sure the footing on which that foundation sets is a good foundation, a good footing. And God has, is working upon us. He has done the work to lay that foundation in our lives. He has made us who we are in Christ. And he is a per, there's a purpose for that. God himself is growing us and changing us and making us fit for his purpose for his pleasure, and for his glory. That's what we're here for. That's our, the right relationship with us, between us and God, is to be serving him and doing his purpose, his pleasure, and his glory, and bringing him glory. This can only happen in Christ. We can't do it on our own. It's not in our own strength, not in our, with our own resources, not in our desire, not in our plans, but only in Christ, in whom we must place our hope. Then we'll be able to live as he has created us to live. We'll be doing his will, accomplishing his purpose. Our purpose, when we rest in Christ, when our hope is fully placed in Christ, becomes God's purpose. He says, my purpose, you've understood it, you know it. Now go out and do it. We are being fit together, but we are also being built together to be a dwelling place for God's Holy Spirit. This is a purposeful act. Well, and what's the purpose? Well, it's to make us perfect. John 17, 23 says this. Jesus said, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have, and loved you as you have loved me. This perfection is not of our own making. It is the work of Jesus Christ in us. It produces in us a new purpose, a new desire, a new direction. It's great to watch as a person comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to see the things that meant so much to them in the past have little effect on their lives anymore. So many people who have uh, come into an understanding of a right relationship with Jesus Christ, they begin to change and they are made new. Look over at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Just a page over there. Ephesians 4, 24. 
It says, and that you put on the new man. You are made new, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't know about you, but I know my past before I knew, before I was walking with the Lord and knew Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord wasn't something I was proud of. I came to Christ at a young age, but did whatever I wanted through my high school, my teen years. My teen years were a time where I was ashamed to look back and to see those things. But as I gave my life to Christ fully and completely, I saw a change of purpose take place in my life. I began to walk with him and the things that I used to do didn't appeal to me anymore. And as a young man, I remember finding myself all alone in my room uh, many Friday and Saturday nights because all the things I used to do on Friday and Saturday nights didn't honor God and I realized and understood that and that I was a new man and I had to do whatever it took to live that life of a new man. The Lord allowed me to find some new friends, came to, a, came to the church I was attending and found some new friends and was able to uh, get to know them a little better and we began to doing right things uh, instead of the wrong things on Friday and Saturday night. In that time when I was alone, I learned how to juggle. So that was a big benefit there, right? But uh, I also learned how to read the word of God and, and to study it and understand it and apply it to my life. So we are new men, new creations, and there's not, when we build a new house, we don't just build it to let it sit there and do nothing. We build it for a purpose. And we are to do all things differently. Okay? Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Before I did things half-heartedly. Sometimes I did things halfway. I didn't fulfill all the commitments that I had, or I didn't... Uh, uh, accomplish things the way they should have been done. I didn't care if it was done right or wrong. But now as the new creation in Christ and my hope is being placed in Jesus Christ, I'm commanded to do, as Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Everything we do now, because our purpose has changed, everything that we do, because we've placed our hope in Christ, everything we do is to be done unto the Lord. Well, what are we supposed, you say, well, that's good, but what are we supposed to do? I'm glad you asked. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Beloved, God has prepared for us good works. He has prepared for us those things that he wants us to do and be about and be getting behind uh, and be part of for his glory, for his purpose, and for his plan. What's your part in that? We are to do the good works for the glory of God and for God the Father. This is the true purpose of our existence. We must hope in Christ. For without Christ, we are truly hopeless, aren't we? I wouldn't want to try to have to live in this world apart from Christ. You know, it's fun to watch my, my sons grow up and they, all these things are coming into their lives. 
And I tell them, I said, you know, one of my sons and I were standing in my garage as we were, uh, I was welding in there, doing some welding, and um, we were standing in there about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and he said, he goes, man, he's like, my job's changing, my, I got a baby on the way, you know, I'm figuring out we'll buy a house or not, and I'm like, yeah, all those things, huh? He goes, yeah. I says, yep, that's life. I said, been there, done that. I said, but, like you, I don't have to do it alone. I have Christ, and we have to understand his purpose and his plan and follow after it. You know, we may even come to be at a time in our lives when we have a false hope or a sense of joy and peace, and we're kind of content where we are right now. You know, life's not too bad right at the moment. So I don't see the big need for all this change you're talking about there, preacher. I'm doing okay. Well, you know what? That's not going to last too long, I hate to say. If your hope is not in Christ, if you're hoping in something else, you'll truly come up lacking if you do not have Jesus Christ. You know, there's a video that uh, I'm going to have the, the sound guys play in just a minute. And I want to introduce this video by saying, as you watch this video, it's, it's, not, it's a good video. It gives me encouragement uh, and you probably know the song, you've probably heard it on the radio if you listen to any Christian radio at all. Uh, but I think you watch the message of the video a little bit. It shows us what hope in Christ brings us, what it gives us. And it gives us, we have this hope in Christ because of God's grace toward us. He gives us grace and he gives us mercy. And I read uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's one of my favorite songs, and uh, I'll speak more about it in, in a moment when it's, when it's through playing. There's got to be more Than going back and forth From doing right to doing wrong Cause we were taught that's who we are well, Come on, get in line right behind me You along with everybody Thinking there's worth in what you do Then like a hero who takes the stage When we're on the edge of our seat Saying it's too late Introduce you to amazing grace No matter the bumps No matter the bruises No matter the scars Still the truth is the cross has made The cross has made you Just this. That's exactly what That's he exactly did. What he did. 
your hope in Jesus Christ? Are you hoping in something else that will probably leave you hopeless? It is my prayer that you will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ now. Admit that you're hopelessly lost in your sin without Christ and that you believe that Jesus died to pay the debt of sin that you owed. Confess that you're trusting in Christ alone as your Savior from sin and confess him as Lord of your life. If you do that, the scripture tells us that you will be saved. It will show us, the scripture is clear and it shows us that when we place our hope in Jesus Christ, we are never disappointed. If you're here today and have never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, it is my prayer that you will see myself or Joe or Andre following the service today. Let's look to the Lord in prayer together.